Yeah. It's a big game. Who you know that got it behind the scenes like behind the O-line soon as the QB say hype. <laughs> it's big game, game, big game, game, game. Analysis from the player's point of view. Injuries, big trades, player news. Yeah. Sect the competition and he played with Tony Dungy. Better listen, I'm talking about Big Game Sports Buzz. Said everything you need and more. Yeah. Big Game Sports Buzz. I thought I told you once before. We call him Big Game James. Yeah. Big Game James. Big Game James. What we call Big Game James. Word. Big Game Sports Buzz. Said everything you need and more. So tune in. Tune in. Special shout out to my boy A. Reed for that intro read. I really appreciate it. You're listening to Big Game James, and this is Big Game Sports Buzz. Episode two coming to you guys today. We are going to recap week one of the NFL football season. I also got a new segment that I call Bucks Beat, talking about my former Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what's going on down in sunny Florida. All right, sit back, relax, stay tuned, and let's go with Big Game Sports Buds. Yeah, y'all, that was Chris Brown in Heat. My oldest son has been playing that song and that was stuck in my head, so shout out to my oldest, JD. That's for you, big dog. Week one recap of the NFL. Things got kicked off last Thursday night. Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, and what was a boring game? Can't lie, y'all. I ended up falling asleep. I had to wake up to kind of see what happened. The game did not keep me entertained at all. And for two teams to be on TV starting the season off, the NFL should be ashamed of themselves. You had one quarterback that decided not to play the whole preseason, and he looked like it. That's Aaron Rodgers. He just got lucky that the quarterback on the other side was worse than he was. Mitchell Trubisky, I'm beginning to wonder if the Bears even made the right decision passing on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes to take him with that first-round pick when they drafted him. You had a final score of 10-3, to Packers winning. Trubisky was 26-45, of 45, 58% uh, completion percentage, 228 yards, and one interception. In other scores around the league, Vikings over the Falcons, 28-12. 49ers over the Buccaneers, 31-17. Titans destroyed the Cleveland Browns, 43-13. And I'm going to talk about the Browns a little later here in another segment. Um, this is going to be interesting and make for a good storyline, I believe, down the line. Bills edge out the Jets, 17-16. And it was some poor field goal kicking going on in that game. Oh, my God. Eagles over the Redskins, 32-27. Rams edge out the Panthers, 30-27. to Chiefs over the Jags, 40-26. to Sammy Watkins uh, did a really good job stepping up in that game. Chargers over the Colts, 30-24. to Seahawks edge out the Bengals, 21-20. The Cowboys manhandled the Giants, winning 35-17. to And the Lions and the Cardinals ended in a dreaded 27-all tie. Not sure how that happened. Kyler Murray did not look bad in his debut as an NFL quarterback, but that game ended in a tie. 
And the Patriots came out looking like Super Bowl champions, defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers 23-3. That's your NFL Week 1 Recap. Hey guys, one score you did not hear me say in my week one recap was the Baltimore Ravens and Miami Dolphins. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Miami Dolphins 59-10. to And when I say I was thoroughly amazed by this score, it's not because uh, I did not believe that Baltimore had uh, a bad offense. I knew Baltimore's defense was still good. I knew the Dolphins are struggling but the play of Lamar Jackson. So this whole segment right here is, are you buying or selling Lamar Jackson? Um, the big debate in the offseason, getting ready for the season with, with everyone was, can Lamar Jackson throw the ball? Can he be a pocket passer? Or is he just a quarterback that's going to beat you with your legs? And, um, you know, I guess it says more about Harbaugh when he knows about his team than what we know as, as maybe fans or former players or anything else. You know, they said that they had their guy all along. They let uh, Joe Flacco go, and they believed that Lamar Jackson was going to get things done in Baltimore. And, um, you know, I must admit I was one of those guys where I was a big fan at Louisville watching him play, and I liked what he did in the league last year when he had a chance in certain games to get in and do his thing. But if you would have bet me some money that Lamar Jackson would go 17 for 20 with 324 yards and five touchdowns, I would have lost that bet. Not saying that he didn't have good passing games before when he was in college, and he did show signs of throwing the ball uh, last year in certain games. But he came out like gangbusters. Now, some people are going to say that the Miami Dolphins are down. True. They are down right now. So, was that a fair defense to rate that performance against? I don't know. I'm not going to look that much into it. I'm going to clearly just say that me, as a man, for one, I totally underestimated, I think, what Lamar Jackson could do with the football in his hands from a passing standpoint. And I'm thoroughly impressed because the way I look at it is, and a lot of people may not look at it like this, but I'm going to look at it like this because, one, I played in the league. It's not easy to get into the NFL. It's not easy to stay into the NFL. So you have good, talented players. They may be in the wrong position. They may not be coached great, but at the end of the day, they're professional athletes. They can perform at a certain level. So for Lamar Jackson to come out and do what he did against the Miami Dolphins, it just shows me that he has the capability of making the big plays with his arms and not only his legs in the NFL. Next week, he's going to face the Arizona Cardinals. They're going to be at home. I don't know if this defense is going to be much more of a challenge or a test than what he faced against Miami, but I know that I am looking forward to seeing if he can follow up week's, week one's performance with the same type of performance in week two. And right now, if it were me, I'm buying Lamar Jackson, and I'm going to see if I can get him on my fantasy team for this week to see what he can go out and do. 
Are you buying or selling the play of Lamar Jackson? What's up, y'all? Now, the team that everyone was falling in love with this summer is a team that I must take a few minutes out of my day to talk about right now. And that's the Cleveland Browns. Guys, I said it a long time ago, and it's an old saying, and you heard a lot of people on TV saying it. Um, championships aren't won in the offseason, meaning you don't win that championship once free agency starts. And championships are not won on paper. And because the Cleveland Browns were being aggressive, they went and got Odell, they made other moves, they're trying to bolster their roster up in total to that, you know, that organization of trying to do what's going to help them get out of the cellar because they've been cellar dwellers for a very long time. But to get back to my point, games and championships are not won on paper. You know, you're not going to automatically win a championship just because you go out and sign people. It has been proven over the course of time. You know, you look. there's a lot of teams that go sign a lot of former number one draft picks and big-name guys, and they haven't won anything. You know, you look at the New England Patriots approach, how they find talent, how they sign guys. They don't do a whole lot of big contracts and long extensions for a lot of guys, and they find ways to win. So, you know, the Cleveland Browns ran into a buzzsaw this first week against the Tennessee Titans, and I must admit, I love Delaney Walker's quote. He pulled out to Denny Green and said, they were who we thought they were. And who I think they are is a young, talented team, but they're still full of a lot of egos, a lot of divas, and they have a rookie coach with a young team. And that is still always hard to make things work. Uh, Freddie Kitchens has his hands full. To right now, Odell Beckham is worried more about a three hundred thousand dollar Richard Mill watch than he is winning. You know, to me, that's I got it. I'm a flaunting kind of attitude. We know you got the bread, Odell. Why do you have to wear a three hundred thousand dollar watch on the field? I and if, and if you do want to wear it, I mean, it's your business. But why is that the focus right now? And, you know, Odell Beckham said that he might be being targeted by the NFL and people, you know, just finding ways to keep him fine or stay on him. Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes that can be a little bit of a witch hunt. It does happen people who've never been in the locker room. Some people get targeted and some people get fined. Some people bring attention to themselves. Some people ask for it themselves. So the watch is a sidebar, but it's the little things like that that championship teams aren't doing. That's not going on in the championship locker room. Um, Baker Mayfield was going to have to play better than what he did. You know, he was 25 of 38, 285 yards, one touchdown, but he had the three interceptions. You know, if you lose a turnover battle in the NFL game, you're not going to win at all. So turning that ball over is not going to get you the wins you need. And so they lost that turnover battle, and they – they came up short. Now, is it time to hit the panic button? No, I don't think so. But for a lot of those guys I saw on ESPN, I know Orlovsky was one of them that was saying that 
the Browns are the team to watch. They're going to do X, Y, and Z. They did not look that part to me at all. Now, I know things can change. Um, to credit the Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't look, you know, a whole lot better in that division, you know, week one. So then it's going to come down to who else. Um, the Ravens right now look like if they play the way they, they did and Lamar Jackson can hold up, they're going to be the favorites coming out of the uh, the AFC North. So that's going to be, you know, interesting to see what happens. But the Cleveland Browns are not really the team that a lot of people painted them out to be, and they have a whole lot of work to do. Now, can they still be a pretty good team? I think so. I think they may be able to make the playoffs. Um, it's not the easiest thing to do in the AFC. It's, you know, a good good uh, conference. But the Cleveland Browns have a lot of work to do. And Delaney Walker, I just want to thank you for that soundbite and that quote that you gave after the game because I really believe that it brings things back into perspective. Because what happens is the media gets excited about a team and they want to paint them as the favorites, the winners, the Cinderella's, and everything else. And so when that happens, you have 31 other NFL teams that's licking their chops to be able to see that team and face them. So the only thing that the media did with the overhyping of the Cleveland Browns earlier on this offseason was paint a target on the back. And they're going to get people's best games, and they're going to get hit in the mouth, and they're going to have to be almost flawless to have a chance to win these contests. Cleveland Browns, don't panic yet, but don't start planning for a trip to the Super Bowl just yet. Welcome, fans, to Bucks Beat. This is your boy, Big Game James. Again, I want to thank everybody again for tuning in to Big Game Sports Buzz on Anchor. And, guys, I just want to say this is a little segment that I'm going to start trying to introduce every week. It's not going to be a long segment, but I want to give a little shout-out to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, still my team at heart, because that's the team that drafted me back in 1998. And when I say that year... It's just showing me how old I'm getting, and it's been a long time since I played football in the National Football League, but that's neither here nor there. You know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my team, fell week one to the San Francisco 49ers, and I must say that I'm really surprised that we lost that game 31-17. to I was expecting big things. You know, we do still have injuries that are holding us back, but the most important thing here is week two versus the Carolina Panthers. Um, it's a division game, and these are the games that we're really going to have to go get. We're not going to be able to give these things up. I do believe that Bruce Arians is the guy for the job and will change the mentality of how things have been done down in Tampa over the last couple of years. The questions that I have is, is Jameis Winston the quarterback that we need to get us to that place of former glory and excellence. Um, you know, back when I played in Tampa, everything was based around our defense and getting on our defense. And our defense was gangbusters and couldn't be stopped. And we played with quarterbacks that just had to manage games. Um, 
today's NFL is a little bit different. It's a lot more wide open with the passing. The rules are a little bit tighter. You know, I say it all the time. The game is made up and designed for offenses to have um, more success than defenses. So the days of really dominating defenses has changed a little bit. Now, you still have some out there, and we had some great performances last week, so do not get me wrong. But to not go off on a tangent, you know, going into Carolina is not going to be an easy place to play. Um, you know that Gerald McCoy is probably beyond excited at the chance to play against former teammates and go out and make a statement. And for us to, you know, get back even on a season at one and one we're going to need our quarterback to go and make those plays that we know he's capable, capable of making and make the plays that we thought he would make when he was drafted um, at that number one spot back in the day. You know, it's the only time it's going to tell. But Buccaneer fans, we can't panic yet. We got to stay positive, and we have to know that the ship is going to sail in the right direction. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Yes, y'all, cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Don't know why, Wu-Tang Clan. I had to give y'all a shout-out on Big Game Sports Buzz, my favorite hip-hop group, Wu-Tang Clan. Cash rules everything around me. Guys, last week I did a special edition segment of my 100 report on Antonio Brown and him being released by the Oakland Raiders and not long after he was released and I did that podcast episode he was then picked up by the New England Patriots which led me to want to do an entirely new podcast all by itself but um, really made me realize that the New England Patriots are serious about trying to win again and get back to the Super Bowl adding a receiver like AB and then just yesterday news broke that Antonio Brown had three charges against him. Two sexual assault, I believe it was, and one rape from uh, his his trainer. And now it stopped to make me think, is Antonio Brown totally crazy, like I said just a few days ago, or is there a witch hunt against Antonio Brown? You know, I... I believe that all grown men are responsible for their actions. And, you know, something that I heard at the Rookie Symposium a long time ago, I still, it still sticks in my head and I say it to my players now. Choices, decisions, and consequences. We all have them. So you make choices and decisions. And for all of those, there's going to be a consequence. So, you know, I still think that something went up. It was still weird of how Antonio Brown was all of a sudden got in a fight with Mike Mayock, apologized about it, said he wanted to be a good teammate, and then less than 24 hours later asked to be released and then was signed by New England Patriots almost immediately. Anyway, that may need some investigating. From my eyes, dirty things go on sometimes, guys, in the NFL. Don't be surprised to hear me say that. Don't be surprised by it at all. But at the same time, is it a witch hunt out against Antonio Brown right now? Right now, for some reason, it just seems like to me that this man has a big target on his chest. Um, there's pictures 
on Instagram and on Twitter and other social media that he and this young lady have were had a, a consensual relationship. She wanted him to invest in a business, and he said no, and then all of a sudden, charges pop up. Now, I'm not insensitive to anything happening. You know, uh, a man should never sexually assault a woman, point blank. I said that, guys, so don't get get it twisted and get me wrong. But if this happened back in 2017, why is it now that it's a problem? And also, why is it a problem now after you've been sitting on this man's lap in pictures and showing affection? I don't know. The pictures, guys, look them up on the Internet. They just look like it was always more than a friendship. It doesn't look like, you know, it looks like a friends with benefits kind of thing. Let's just keep it 100. This isn't the 100 report, but we're just going to keep it 100 in a segment. So now Antonio Brown has this hanging over his head. You know, what's going to be the outcome? Um, what's the NFL going to rule once, you know, everything else comes out? And if this goes to, and it's civil charges right now. So really right now she's seeking money for these, for what happened to her. So me personally, I'm beginning to think that there's a conspiracy or a witch hunt out against Antonio Brown. But uh, at the same time, sometimes those actions that don't have anything to do with someone lying on you come back to paint a crazy picture of you and people want to think and assume that this is something that you could have done. And it's not fair to him, but guys, that's just the world and life that we live in right now. You do certain things, like I said before, you have certain consequences and things are going to happen. So to Antonio Brown, keep your head up. Um, I know if anything, I've called AB crazy. I've said that he has made some wild decisions before, but I think that he's on the right team to help keep him, you know, out of the headlines. And right now, the scariest thing about it is the media controls the narrative. It depends on how much prying they want to do. It depends on how much uh, news they want to report. They're going to determine how long this Antonio Brown news stays alive and how it's going to be interpreted. You know, right now for me, it's football season. I want to judge him on his performance on the field. I want him to get on the field. Yeah, I want to talk about his antics if that's what it's going to be, but I don't want to discuss something from two years ago if it's someone being shallow because he did not invest in a business that they wanted him to invest in. So, Antonio Brown, good luck to you. Oh, yeah, it's time now for the 100 Report, the segment where I give you the 100% truth of how I feel about a certain situation. Guys, in news this week, former ESPN Anchor, show host, Jamil Hill, came up with an article saying that it's time for black athletes to go back to HBCUs. If you don't know what HBCU is, that's a historically black college and university. And first and foremost, I want to start off by saying that I love my alma mater. I love the school I went to. University of Nevada was great to me, and some of the best times of my life happened at that school. But as I sat back and read this article and started to think, some things really did open up my eyes. And my wife and I had a conversation about it not long ago. Put, 
just to kind of give you the synopsis in short, Jamil Hill's now being accused of being a racist and wanting to practice re-segregation because she's saying that it's time for black athletes to consider going back to those historically black colleges. You know, a long time ago, African-American kids didn't have a choice. You had to go to an HBCU. Um, a lot of white universities were not uh, segregated yet. They were still separate. They didn't think that black athletes could come in and play and do the job um, that they're doing now. Um, but you look at the numbers. So they took 65 schools in the Power Five conferences. Those schools, when it's just regular, ath I mean, students, uh, it's only 2% African-American. But 55% of the football team is African-American. And 56% of the basketball teams are African-American. The NCAA is one of the biggest cons in all the world and country because it doesn't just make money off the back of African-American kids. It makes money off the back of all kids. Um, all student athletes, in my eyes, deserve to be paid. But that's a whole other segment, a whole other time for a different 100 report. But in 2016... The NCAA signed a TV deal with CBS where it agreed to an $8.8 .8 billion contract all the way through 2032. So the NCAA is about to make $8 billion. And that's shared revenue that goes to a lot of their schools. And majority of that money is going to those Power 5 schools. We know that. 2017, um, the NCAA uh, with the college bowl game series and the NCAA tournament made $1.1 billion. So now you have to stop and think what is going on with all that money with all the athletes. Some people are going to say that HBCUs don't have the revenue. They don't generate that kind of money from TV deals, but would they, if they had African-American players, if those top African-American players took their talents to a Grambling a Jackson, a Savannah State, a FAMU, would it change the dynamic and the makeup? I don't think Jamil Hill was trying to be racist at all. I don't think she was trying to be insensitive. I don't honestly think she was really trying to change the dynamic of how kids should pick and choose to go to school. I think she was just really trying to open eyes and help people realize that there are other options out there. And that our top black athletes need to consider all schools. It's easy to say, well, there's no funding in historically black colleges. But looking at these numbers that I just saw, HBCUs have a harder time attracting athletes because they don't have the top facilities. Yes, we know that. But revenue has been down and decreased by 57% since 1970. Most of that is because of the TV deals. You don't have the top athletes at those schools on TV, so you don't have as lucrative as a TV deal. What if those top athletes were there? I think that TV deal changes. So, yes, HBCU is going to have to change some things, and I think it's an eye-opener. I did not go to an HBCU, but I did grow up around HBCU football and attending games, and the tradition and the culture is great. But at the same time, I had a great tradition at my school. I think it's just time for us to stop trying to pull the race card on every single thing that we see and we read 
and just realize when it's something that's trying to be eye-opening, trying to bring awareness and attention to something. Jamil Hill, she's not racist, but she has valid points. Ben Watson got on Fox the other day to pretty much back her up and agree with a lot of things he said, and this is someone that went to a normal traditional college that's playing in the NFL, that knows what goes on, that knows the ups and downs, knows what happens. As a black athlete and as a black father, I cannot deny my son the chance of going to do something traditional as far as an HBCU if that's something that he wants to go to. He has to know that the option is there. But when it comes down to the time, he has to make the decision that's going to be right for him. And until us as parents, and I mean African-Americans, see past the limelight of television, deals, ESPN, national championships at big universities, and reiterate to our children that there's more out there, we won't see a big change. Now, I'm not saying a kid should not go to Alabama. They shouldn't go to LSU, but they should have options. I'm your boy, Big Game James, and that's the 100 Report. Yeah, yeah, I want to thank you for listening to the Big Game Sports Buzz with your boy, Big Game James. I just want to take a few minutes to leave you with this. If you want what you never had, you must do what you've never done. That's a quote by Thomas Jefferson. Everything in life is not going to be easy. And if there's something out there that you want to get done, you got to go do something that you've never, ever done before. Learn to sacrifice. Follow me at BG Sports Buzz on Twitter and on Facebook. Big Game Sports. It's your boy. Holla. Injuries, big trades, player news. Yeah. Set the competition and he play with Tony Dungy. Better listen.